Judgment Studios. The Michelle Obama Podcast is out now on Spotify. This series brings listeners inside the former First Lady's most candid and personal conversations, showing us what's possible when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to open up and focus on what matters most. Joining the former First Lady is an array of special guests, including Marion and Craig Robinson, Conan O'Brien, Valerie Jarrett, Michelle Norris, and Dr. Sharon Malone. Episodes focus on relationships that shape us, from siblings and close friends to partners, parents, and mentors, to our relationship with ourselves and our health. Listen free at Spotify.com slash Michelle Obama. Okay, so getting ready to leave your house, you put on your mask, maybe even some gloves. You step outside your door toward the spot and do that awkward shuffle, trying to keep six feet of distance between you and the other guy coming down the sidewalk. You don't know him, where he's been, what he's been up to, and it's scary, it's awkward. It's weird just trying to keep safe, but you navigate it with a smile, a nod, a wave, a few steps to the left, a few more, and you're back on your way. Cool. Cool, but imagine this. Imagine you live with hundreds of people. Hundreds of people pressed on top of one another. No one can leave. Every day, the pressure rising. And you know for an absolute certainty that this virus is in there with you. The scenario is real. From Snap Judgment, we proudly present Outbreak at San Quentin. A real look at what's happening right now from behind the walls of California's oldest prison. My name is from Washington. Yes, when we get a call from the front line, we do accept the charges when you're listening to Snap Judgment. We begin inside San Quentin State Prison where Chanton Bun noticed something new on the tier. And given the remarkable access of this story, scenes described can be graphic in nature. And as such, listener discretion is advised. Snap judgment. They start posting uh, 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 posters out about, oh, this is COVID, and then, you know, you get it because it's airborne and all that. Like, you know, um, they put the poster... None of us could go read it. We're, we can't. We don't have day room. So how are we going to go read it? This is Chanton Bun, or Bun for short. They started cutting us on, on our, our work activities. Things started to change in San Quentin State Prison in March. The coronavirus was spreading across the world, and like a lot of people, Bun's routine on the inside changed overnight. April comes... There's no program running at all. 
No outside people's come in. All our program were all shut down except for essential jobs. No groups, no classes, no visiting. But then it started getting funny when they said, hey, you're in a cell. You got to sleep head to, head to toe. So you get six foot different. Everybody looked like, what the hell are you guys talking about? That's not six feet. We don't even got six feet in the cell to, to distance ourselves. And you're telling us to switch the way we sleep? But Bun was supposed to get out any day. He had just been found suitable for parole after more than 20 years, and he was waiting to get called down to finally leave. We're in May. I don't know when it's coming. I'm getting anxious. I'm asking, when am I going to get out? Nobody knows nothing. Nobody want to tell me nothing. The counselor don't know nothing. And I'm just stressed. Stressed. I know that feeling Bun's talking about because I was incarcerated at San Quentin, too. I served 18 years, but those last days inside were the longest. It hurts to think about those I left behind, but lucky for me, I was released right before the pandemic. The guards, they, they did not take this serious at all. Even though they're, they're, they were like, one of the people getting infected too. When 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 all this first started, they they didn't even wear their mask. They have they have it hanging on their chin, and they were just you know they act like we were the one that was going to get them infected instead of them getting us infected. While no one incarcerated at San Quentin had tested positive, the virus had already hit other prisons. One day out of the blues, uh, the fellas from R and R told us, "Hey." They just sent over guys from Chino. Once I heard that, I say, oh, it's going to be an outbreak right here. The prison out in Chino was in the middle of the deadliest coronavirus outbreak in all of California prisons. Hundreds of people incarcerated there had tested positive. Nine people had died. And then uh, right off the gate, they said it. Yep, them dudes had corona, and the corona's getting passed. They start moving people around, and we're like, okay, they're just spreading it around now. The day after the transfer from Chino, the first incarcerated person at San Quentin tested positive for COVID. In the first week of June, there were 17 active cases. That number grew to 49. And then, in one day, it jumped to 198. When I heard that, I said, it's just going to get worse because we're too crowded in here. And, and we live in an, an open environment. Bun heard the news on the tier. He said he was in the dark about how fast the spread was happening. They, they do not give us no information in there. We, we, we watch the news. Information is tough to come by in the prison. You definitely don't get internet, but one thing you can get, TV. People all over San Quentin were glued to the screen, waiting on the latest updates. As far as getting information out of the prison, it's been so hard for me to connect with my loved ones on the inside. Letters take days to reach me, and it takes weeks 
to get one back in. Usually we can talk on the phone, but access to the phones has been limited for months. This is Global Calling. You have a prepaid call from an inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin, San Quentin, California. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. To accept this call, say or dial 5 now. My buddy Greg is still incarcerated at San Quentin. He's a journalist. He's 47 years old and married. I've known Greg for most of my adult life. Recently, he was able to get a call out from North Block. I have a family, you know, that I love and care about deeply. And initially, I was I was afraid for them, you know, worrying about them catching this coronavirus. Now, I'm worried about my health because now I'm faced with it. I'm faced with the exact same problems that the society is being faced with right now. It's, but it's, it's hitting us extremely hard because we're in a we're in a building that has zero circulation. When I say zero, zero circulation. I remember sleeping in North Block. I never felt a breeze. There are no fans. They have small windows open that do not generate enough air. So we're all just breathing in this filth that's inside of this building, this dust. This, this, this bacteria, we're just bringing it all in. In mid-June, after coronavirus was found at the prison, public health experts visited San Quentin. Days later, they released an urgent memo. In it, they said, San Quentin is an extremely dangerous place for an outbreak. Everything should be done to decrease the number of people exposed to this environment as quickly as possible. Ventilation is poor, windows have been welded shut, and the fan system does not appear to have been turned on for years. Heat on the far side of the building can be stifling. There is an immediate need to clean and turn on all fan and HVAC systems immediately. An outbreak in North and West Block could easily flood and overwhelm San Quentin as well as Bay Area hospitals. We therefore recommend that the prison population in San Quentin be reduced to 50% of current capacity via decarceration. Meanwhile, San Quentin was moving people around inside the prison. They converted the gym into housing, and some people who tested positive for COVID were being put into solitary for quarantine. Greg stayed in North Block. We are locked in the cage every single day. I mean, we come out to our shower every seven, eight days, we'll come out for a shower. Other than that, we're stuck inside of the cells. I mean, when I say stuck, I mean, we literally do not come out of this cell. We haven't been outside in close to two months. You know, we haven't seen the sunlight. We haven't... This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. We haven't seen the sun. We haven't had fresh air. We haven't haven't felt the wind on my face in over two months. Behind the walls, the majority of folks are black and people of color. And the prison is overcrowded. In fact, the whole California system is over capacity by close to 20,000 people. With everybody packed in together like this, viruses hit incarcerated populations hard. In San Quentin, I've seen the neurovirus rip through. There was an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease some years back, and when it's flu season, on the inside, it's all bad. 
When something contagious is going around inside the prison, they usually lock people down in their cells. I've been on lockdowns like that. Being stuck in a cell with a sickness and a bunkie, there's no way to heal. Being on lockdown for a month, everyone is is in a state of misery. People are just are just stressed out and just really depressed. Watching all these people around us get sick. I mean, I'm hearing grown men cry out in the middle of the night, you know, that they can't breathe or calling out for medical or their body is aching. And it's, and, 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 and it's, heart, and it's heart-wrenching to hear that. In mid-June, the case has soared from 200 to 500 in a matter of days. The people in there, the older guys that are scared, some guys are just scared out of their mind. They put notes on front of their bar letting people know, like, I'm, I'm immune compromised. Please stay away from me. While people were getting hauled off to medical, Bun, like other guys in the building, did what he could to protect himself with whatever he had. They gave his hand sanitizer in April, and it was like... Uh, a six-ounce one, and that was it. It was gone before the corona even broke open. And they gave us uh, two masks that they made, uh, and that's it. So I was trying to prepare myself not to catch it. Like, I would put uh, 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 my towel up so I could have a little, at least a little cushion between me and the bars. Because you got to sleep and, and, and the CEO walk by and count you three times a night. And, and he's, on, he's only breathing about a foot away from you when he shines his flashlight in there to look in. They threatened to write me up saying, hey, you can't cover up like that. And I tried to explain to him, I said, it's coronavirus. I'm sleeping. I don't know who's walking by breathing here. To add to his fears... Bun has underlying health conditions. He's hypokalemic and experiences periodic paralysis. And uh, I have a rare blood disease, and I was scared because I don't know what COVID's going to do, how is it going to trigger some of my health issues. And uh, I, could, I could die, I could get in the middle of the night and not know it, and just die. I was angry, I was upset, and I was worried. I, 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 I try to maintain, hopefully, I could leave this place before it hits me. Outside his cell, the virus was ripping through San Quentin. In late June, over the course of three days, cases skyrocketed from 500 to more than 1,000. Here's Greg again. I'm scared. Like, I'm really nervous about my, about my health and my livelihood because I'm watching people every day um, go down. The ambulance is coming to the building every day because people are, uh, are falling out. People are, are getting sick. Um, people that I've known for, for years in here are passing away. And no one knows who's going to be the next person to pass away. 
and that's and that is just scary to just know that at any moment I can get sick. Phone access from inside the prison has been increasingly restricted. Right now, they're not letting any calls out from the cell blocks. I've only been able to connect to my people on just a few occasions. One person I've been thinking about is my friend Ant. He's been incarcerated 19 years. Ant's on a hospital cleaning crew in San Quentin. He's been going to work in areas contaminated with COVID. I haven't been able to talk to him, but he managed to call a friend of ours. hospital worker, I work in the hospital, I'm on a strike team, and at times we're called all nights at hours, 3 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, we're woken up out of our seats to go clean COVID-19 and, and clean the cell from top to bottom, from back to front, and wipe everything down to sterilize it. Now, at one point, we had to clean 50 cells at a time. At 50 cells at a time, three of us. At one point, we were threatened to clean a cell, that if we didn't clean a cell, that we would be written up. A write-up from a CO, a correctional officer, can add time to your sentence. If you're going to the parole board, it can deny your freedom for years. Um, at times, we come back to the building and we can't even get a shower. And that's the least we're asking for is a shower after we've been cleaning for these people all day. We're being told by COs that, oh, we'll get you tomorrow on the shower. We'll get you the next day on the shower. We'll get you the next day on the shower. We're not getting our showers. I feel like a person who's not even being looked at. I feel left at a person. I'm being treated as though I don't even matter. I'm being treated as though I'm not a person. I'm not a human being. That's how you treat slaves. You treat them less than. And that's how I feel I'm being treated. I feel like a slave. Now I'm about to be written, and now I'm about to be written up for being on the phone. During this call, a guard threatens him with a write-up. Yeah, he just wrote my name down if I didn't get off the phone, so I have to get now. I have to obey this rule because I want to go home. Ant tested positive for the virus. He was still finding symptoms when he made that call. By the end of June, less than a month since the first case, more than a third of the incarcerated population tested positive for COVID. And then... I knew I was positive because I was having symptoms. I had chills and I was like, oh my God. I was having headaches and I've just laid there. I slept maybe half the day, and woke up worried because I have the symptom now. Snappers, it is not over. When we return, Bun is fighting COVID symptoms from his cell when he gets a visit from someone he was not expecting. 
stay tuned. Pants with a belt, collared shirts, Oxfords. I haven't put on a suit jacket since the pandemic started. In this new world, we have new priorities. And Allbirds had something that might help with that, because feeling good goes beyond Allbirds' amazing footwear. Introducing the all-new Trino underwear from Allbirds, whether it's a woman's bralette, brief, shorty, or thong, or the men's boxer briefs. With Allbirds' Trino underwear, you can get intimate with nature, with intimates made with nature. Your private parts and the planet will love Allbirds' Trino underwear. Find your pair at Allbirds.com. Everyone has stuff they don't use, and people will pay good money for those things on Mercari, the app that makes it fast and easy to sell almost anything. Just download the app, take a few pics, add a description, and it's listed. And everything ships, so there's no meetups. Sell and buy almost anything from home on Mercari. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I, Mercari. Find it on the app stores or Mercari.com. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, Outbreak at San Quentin. When last we left, almost one-third of the incarcerated population of San Quentin had tested positive for COVID-19. And Bun was showing symptoms himself. Listener discretion is advised. Snap Judgment. I knew I was positive because I was having symptoms. I had chills and I was like, oh my God. I was having headaches and... I've just laid there. I slept maybe half the day and woke up worried because I have the symptom now. And while Bun was fighting COVID symptoms, people were sick all around him. The number of active cases grew to more than 1,200. Almost 100 staff members tested positive too. And all over the prison, people were collapsing. And this whole time, there's the first responders. A team of incarcerated people that live at the firehouse at San Quentin. I know this place well because I worked there for two years. It's the hardest work I've ever done in my life. You're on call 24-7. No days off, and you get paid little to nothing. Some guys are making around 20 cents an hour. A man down every 20 minutes. That's Eric Phillips. I helped train him when he first came to the firehouse. Where we come in at is, you know, we pretty much transport. You know, and do CPR. If, if somebody's not responsive, we, we're the ones that uh, do CPR. With everybody crashing from COVID, Eric told me they've been getting calls faster than they can respond to them. He said for one COVID patient, they performed CPR for an hour before he started breathing again. Some of these calls we're going on, it's the, uh, it's, it's, it's the same people. Went to go pick up one dude three times already. So he can't, he can't breathe. He's having a hard time uh, getting up. Uh, you know, so and it's like instead of just 
sent them off to the hospital. Uh, a lot of times, you know what I mean, the medical staff here and there just try to treat them in their cell, put them on an O2 tank, oxygen tank. But, you know, they, the conditions just get worse. And when they can't be treated in their cell, the team takes patients to the triage and treatment area, the TTA. TTA is kind of like a, almost a makeshift emergency room, if you will. This is Alex Simon, another first responder incarcerated at San Quentin. Nine times out of ten that we've gone in there, the beds have all been full. And, and they've even gone to the measures of getting extra beds and putting them in like the holding cells. And, you know, that's not even a, an actual room. And so they've actually got beds in there so people can go in there and, and, and it, I mean, it, you know, it's complete chaos. Some patients are transported out of the prison, filling hospital beds on the outside. The rush of patients is putting a strain on local hospitals. At one point, over at Marin General, half of their intensive care unit was filled with patients from San Quentin. I got a letter from a dear friend of mine trapped on the main line, Terry. It said, in short, Rashid, brother, they got me. You made it out the walls before this pandemic, but then as you probably heard on the news, they transferred it in here. Just this morning, I heard a double man down on the second floor and saw them bring a guy out from the fifth tier. I did take the test yesterday, so should hear something tomorrow. Sorry about the writing. I get sloppy when my hand is trying to keep pace with my thoughts. I hope you can read most of it because, brother, if I do get it and go out due to it, know that I held a special place in my heart for you. Sincerest memories. Terry. While Bun is fighting off symptoms of the coronavirus in his cell, he's called off the tier to meet with an ICE agent. See, Bun is a Cambodian refugee. He came to the U.S. when he was just a boy. He got his green card, but lost his status with his conviction. The ICE agent tells him when he leaves San Quentin, he isn't going home. He's going to an ICE detention center. Now I gotta go to ICE with this symptom and I don't even know if, if I could survive it if I'm in ICE because of the uh, poor treatment they have over there. His underlying health issues added to his fears. So I believe there was a strong chance of me even dying in there because of coronavirus. One morning, he got the call. An uh, officer came. He's like, he opens the door. He goes, you come out. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, come out. So he looks at me. He goes, hey, I got, I got a tip. And I was like, what? He said, you got 10 minutes. They're coming to get you right now. And I was, I was like, he, he surprised the hell out of me. So I clear up my stuff, and then I run around the building saying goodbye to my friends. But most of them were bedridden. A lot of them just waved back, and some of them was just sleeping because they were sick. They were all sick. And, uh, I mean, I was happy for myself, but it was hard for me to see my friends that are sick and 
if they weren't sick they would jump for so much joy and i was look i i, I always thought like I, i always thought like i hope they survive it i i pray that they survive it Bun was still sick himself. He was escorted down to R&R, receiving and release, to get transported out of the prison. So I could see a van there, and I'm looking at it, I say, okay, that's not the ICE van, that's the normal van. So they, they come get me, and he said, let's row off to the bus station. And I was like, are you serious? For some reason, miraculously, ICE didn't show up, and Bun was driven out to a nearby bus depot. And opens up the door, and he gives me my uh, gate money and say, hey, go to that lady right there. She'll give you a bus ticket. And they take off. I was like, what? Bun says prison transportation dropped him off with no fresh hand sanitizer, no new PPE. He was wearing one of the same masks he had gotten months before. So... I'm still scared of ice because, you know, I've heard stories that they jump out the bushes on you for no reason. I cross the street and I see it says uh, Terminal A, bus number seven in San Francisco. I go over there. I ask the bus driver, can I get in? But I think he knew I just got out of prison. So he said, yeah, come on, come on in. So he told me where to get off. And uh, when I got off the bus, I wasn't even walking straight. I wasn't feeling well. I was getting nauseated. So I put my bags down on the bench and took a nap. Bun wasn't tested inside San Quentin. He did test positive for COVID on the outside the day he was released. Bun got out July 1st, a month after the outbreak began. On that day, San Quentin had over 1,500 active cases of COVID. In the days that followed, Almost half of the population was COVID positive, and people started dying. July began with three deaths. I'm going to start with a statement from, from a really good friend of mine. Um, his name is Todd Tran, and right now he's in West Block fighting for his life. Back at San Quentin, organizers held a press conference in front of the prison gates, calling attention to the crisis behind bars. This is James King reading a letter he received from inside. He said, I write this after three days of being curled into a fetal position, fighting off COVID-19. For a week now, shrieks of man down followed by alarms have become my alarm clock. I count at least five emergency medical alarms a day. Over 30 people hospitalized in my building alone this past week. After fighting excruciating headaches and vomiting, all that I am given to heal myself is a box lunch, which is now served for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have not been allowed to use the payphone for over two weeks now. We are given showers once every five days, showering with 40 to 50 other people at a time. 18 shower heads, one foot apart, in a building with no ventilation, creating a sauna-like effect. I was COVID tested in late June 
in an attempt to transfer me to another prison. When Tan was tested for COVID, he didn't have any symptoms yet. That same day, he was sent back to a cell. That same day, I was placed back into the same building with the same sick men. That same day, I showered in that same sauna-like shower and listened to people discuss how sick they were. That same day, I had to walk down to the first tier to pick up my dinner tray in a line of 40 to 50 people, then walk back up. Two days later, I was showing symptoms. I washed my hands. I wore my mask. I was locked into a cell 23 hours a day. I slept head to foot with my celly and was still infected. I was sick and bedridden when I received my test results that read COVID negative. This is what it looks like to test someone, then try to transfer them. While Tan didn't get taken off to another prison, others did. It turns out CDCR, the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, had repeated the same kind of transfer that got San Quentin into this crisis. They moved people out from San Quentin to a prison in Susanville. And now there's an outbreak there. This is the sickest I've been in my life. This is the most alone I've ever been in my life. I'm begging you to see how we suffer. I'm begging you to hear us. And please, Gavin Newsom, save our lives. We are dying in here. Governor Newsom recently said the state would release 8,000 people. But even after those releases, California prisons would still be nearly 10,000 people over capacity. And even if a prison like San Quentin was down to full capacity, it would still have people like Greg bunking up in a 5 by 10 cell, sleeping head to toe, hoping the virus doesn't get through the bars. I understand that he was sentenced to, to, to come to prison. However, this is this this type of treatment wasn't a part of my sentence. I wasn't sentenced to die inside of the prison. of this recording, 13 people in San Quentin have died, bringing the number of lives lost in California prisons to 40. Our hearts go out to them and theirs sincerely, and to everyone inside San Quentin and the many other prisons nationwide beset with coronavirus. Stay strong. shared their story with us. Chanton Bond is a producer now living on the outside. Welcome home, Bond. Big love from all of us here at SNAP. We hope you have a fast and thorough recovery from the virus. Greg Eskridge and Ton Tran, who are featured in this story, are both multimedia journalists currently incarcerated at San Quentin. Many thanks to Ant, 
to Eric Phillips and Alex Simon for sharing their stories from the inside as well. We appreciate you. Rashid Lockhart, who narrated this piece, works with Planting Justice, a food and social justice organization empowering those impacted by incarceration. They have a two-acre nursery right here in Oakland. You can check them out. A special thanks to James King from the Ella Baker Center and Adnan Khan from Restore Justice. Thank you. To stay up to date on what is going on and how you can support people on the inside, we're going to have links to all the amazing work that these people are doing. Visit our website, snapjudgment.org. That piece was produced by Pat Masini-Miller and Nina Gensler-Debs. Snap Judgment returns. Rashid writes a letter to a friend on the inside, and there is so much more where that came from. When Snap Judgment, Outbreak at San Quentin continues, stay tuned. Snap Judgment is supported by Rocket Mortgage. When I'm looking for a new home, I imagine myself in every space. Do I want to relax in that yard? Can I use that shower every day? I want to know the house fits me. Rocket Mortgage built a home loan experience designed for you with certainty at every step and no unwanted surprises. You can relax knowing you're getting a home loan that fits your life. Visit rocketmortgage.com snap because when you need a mortgage that fits your life, Rocket can. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. In MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Hey listeners, Wondery's audio drama, Blood Ties, is back for a second season with Josh Gad and Gillian Jacobs, returning as Michael and Eleanor Richland. If you haven't had a chance to check out season one, the Wall Street Journal said it's a kind of character-driven story that fits right in with a true crime miniseries typical of Wondery. It has all the trimmings of a premium television drama wrapped up in a powerful podcast. Stick around till after the credits of today's episode to hear a preview of Blood Ties. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the outbreak at San Quentin episode. My name is in Washington, and while people inside San Quentin and other detention facilities across the country are faced with the threat of coronavirus, we understand that it is not just them who are affected. Right now, there are a lot of incarcerated people placed on a real lockdown with a lot of restrictions. And one thing they can't do is visit with their people from the outside. That means that mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, children, and friends aren't able to hug or even see loved ones living on the inside. And we want to hold space for those who are close to people currently incarcerated as they are going through a very difficult time as well. So the team at Uncuffed has been gathering letters from people trying to reach their loved ones currently behind bars. And we're going to play a few recordings of these letters read by the people that wrote them. We start with Rashid, whom we heard from earlier. Rashid replies to a letter that he received from a dear friend of his currently incarcerated at San Quentin. Terry, I've written hundreds of letters in my 25-plus years of incarceration, but this letter is the hardest I've ever written. 
Reading your letter from inside San Quentin while now me being on the outside leaves me with survivor's guilt. Why, I ask myself. When I last left San Quentin, it was my job as a member of the San Quentin Fire Department to help those in need. And now, one of my brothers who I care the most about, I can't do a damn thing for. Your letter felt like a goodbye letter, but it can't be. You will fight to survive because that's what you've always done. This is but one moment in time. I know it's easy for me to say, out here, so I won't push. It's ground zero and seems as if there's no help coming. But I, we, will fight. I will use my every word for whoever will listen. In solidarity and true brotherhood, Rashid. Hey son, how are you doing? This is your mom, Shelly. I'm praying for you and everyone else in San Quentin. Sorry I can't take care of you as far as physically. You know we love you and done put the blood of Jesus to remove this COVID-19 from everywhere, including your body, son. I have everyone writing the governor to do something about this. And you all, because faith without works is dead. And your mom is doing the footwork as best I know how. Just keep your head up and your faith, son. My trash is overflowing and you need to come empty it. Remember, keep your head up and your faith. Love your mom, your sisters, and your brother, Michael, and your dad. Bye. Dear Danny, I miss you, man. I'm thinking about you a lot these days and hoping that you're safe. The idea that my exceptionally bright and curious and compassionate cousin could be killed by COVID sweeping through a prison feels like one more injustice in a long string of them. I remember playing soccer together and wrestling as kids. We had that same insatiable desire to run around, and you were unendingly kind and patient with your little cousin when I wanted to tag along. I remember being seven or eight and roughhousing together. I accidentally pushed you into my mom's living room window and it broke. You took responsibility for it. You said the broken window was your fault. You were loving and protective and all the things someone could hope for in an older cousin. It seems profoundly unfair that you started using as a kid, that your mom was an addict, and that you spent most of your life in different versions of incarceration without having committed a violent crime. I try hard to remember that as unfair as your situation feels, there are other people who are worse off, and that even within troubled institutions, there's kindness and there are people who are trying their best to keep you safe. I wish you could be out in the world right now. It's terrible and chaotic in lots of ways, but there are also signs of humanity and progress that I really wish you could see. Here's hoping that day comes very soon. Love, Dario. Hi, Daddy, I miss you. I've been waiting to see you. I just want COVID to go away. I miss our time together on weekends. I'll always look forward to our time together. I miss the most our family visits. You would barbecue with me. Miss, I miss the time we went camping at 
family visit. You put your jacket on the floor. Outside, we will talk under the stars and listen to the coyotes howl. And you told me, don't worry. They won't come in because you will wrestle them. I miss that you would hug me, kiss me, good night. I miss helping you make breakfast. I miss you. I miss your face, your hugs. I miss your kisses and love. Love you, Daddy. Have a good day. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everyone who shared their letters with a snap. We appreciate you and are sending so much love to you. The letters came to us from Uncuffed, a storytelling project made by people behind bars from inside San Quentin State Prison and Solano State Prison. It's a collaboration with KALW, and I highly recommend that you check it out. We're going to have a link to all that is Uncuffed on our website, snapjudgment.org. And we know that incarcerated people listen to this show on the radio. So we want to send a very special shout out to everyone locked down. If you're listening, one love. Now we're going to shine a light on another amazing project from inside San Quentin, the San Quentin Mixtape. It's an incredible music project recorded and produced right from inside the prison. I'm going to play a song from it. It's called Same Prison as My Grandfather by Daniel G. Just a world Hey, look. Now I'm in the same prison as my grandfather. They said it ain't no hard and why we still trying. I got tired of days and see my mother crying. I realized I living fast, I was slowly dying. Take a look at my past, no, I ain't lying. Grandfather was in prison for selling dope. While my mother pregnant with me, tell her where to hope. And she was only 13 at the time. Who knew that baby in the stomach live a life of crime? Now I'm in the same prison as my grandfather. Just like him, I can't be there for my own daughter. But now he out and he's there, so he really changed. Miss my baby, wish she here, so I'ma do the same. And I'm on the way, just know I'm coming. I just hope when I come home that she still love me. And I'm on the way. I just hope when I come home that she still love me Now I'm in the same prison that my grandfather Just like him, I can't be there for my own daughter I never listened to advice I got from my mother Now, now I'm in the same prison that my grandfather Now I'm in the same prison that my grandfather Just like him, I can't be there for my own daughter I never listened to advice I got from my mother Now I'm in the same, now I'm in the same, same Tell me where was you when the strokes came Was all alone and every day I was wearing chains So expect the same treatment when they come around It's funny how people change when they see you down Wish they could see me now, the grind never stopped I'm just trying to see the view from the rooftops Just wanna see some things I ain't seen before Cause all I ever seen was friends come and go Took a lot of years in prison just for me to grow Mother used to pray to God for a miracle 
couldn't stand the life that her son chose She used to cry and ask me when I'ma let it go Shedding tears as I write this verse Cause all the pain throughout the years I know it still hurt Shedding tears as I write this verse Cause all the pain throughout the years I know it still hurt Now I'm in the same prison as my grandfather Just like him, I can't be there for my own daughter I never listened to advice I got from my mother Now, now I'm in the same prison as my grandfather Now I'm in the same prison as my grandfather I can't, I can't be there for my own daughter. I never listened to advice I got from my mother. Now I'm in the same, now I'm in the same, same. Thank you, Daniel G. For that song, we appreciate you. The San Quentin Mixtape is a music project recorded, produced, and performed by incarcerated people inside San Quentin State Prison. The album was produced by the now formerly incarcerated David Jossie, who was released just months ago, now living in his home country of Sweden. To hear this album, you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and we're also going to have links on our website, snapjudgment.org. The story continues, the story continues, the story continues. Just because it's behind lock and key doesn't mean we can turn away. Make sure the people know. Share with everyone you can on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at dinner, backyards, churches, parks. Remember, Snap is by you, for you, supported through you. And if you love Snap storytelling, storytelling made from the heart, the mind, and the soul, make sure you've got something on it. Go to patreon.com slash snapjudgment and help us continue to tell amazing stories. Patreon.com slash snapjudgment. Snap is brought to you by our team sending big love to everyone locked inside. Love from all of us, including the Uber producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. Pat McSweeney Miller, Anna Sussman, Renzo Goriel, John Fasile, Shana Sheely, Marissa Dodge, Nika Singh, Eliza Smith, Lauren Newsom. Taylor Decott, Flo Wiley, Nancy Lopez, Regina Beriaco, and Leon Morimoto. And this is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, like so many people as of late, you can walk out of your cage only to discover you are still not free. And you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PRX. If they haven't landed yet, then we're going to have to spend the holidays listening to our father go on about landing the Cessna in a storm. Except he's going to call it a hurricane. I talked to mom when they were in the air. They were 20 minutes out, and that was three hours ago. Wait. Yeah, they're coming in on my phone, too. Kids, something's happening. She says something's happening. I love you both. Your dad is... The last thing my mom ever sent me was a text message. It said, something's wrong. Your dad is, my dad is what exactly, mom? What is he? Tragic news out of the Caribbean this evening where Dr. Peter Richland is feared dead. Richland. 
from Wondery, the makers of Dirty John and Dr. Death, comes Blood Ties, a new scripted audio drama starring Gillian Jacobs, Josh Gad, and Amy Landecker. My name is Gillian Jacobs, and I play Eleanor Richland. I'm Josh Gad, and I'm playing Michael in Blood Ties. Michael. Michael. Richland. Richland like the company you work for. Blood Ties is mystery, intrigue, revenge. You really don't know what exactly is going on. You don't know what anyone's agenda really is. Your father did many great things in his life, but I've been looking at some other things, and I'm offering you the chance to help me tell the truth about him. Don't call me again. Look, it's the same chance I offered your mother. But did you really never hear any of these rumors before? Well, I'm his daughter, Connie, so no one's really telling me rumors like this. It's really the story about this brother and sister trying to put these pieces together after a tragic accident involving their parents in a plane crash. Richland Health Services assured me they'll take care of everything. What do you mean by everything? I'm not leaving till we find my dad. El, we are getting on that plane. And also learning and uncovering the truth, not only as it relates to their parents, but uh, certain truths inconvenient truths, I might add, about themselves. I know you met with Connie from the Times, and I know your mother met with her, too. Let's just assume we know everything about everything, okay? They're really pushing back now. They're really pushing back hard. They're using his death as a reason to kill the story once and for all. We need to find out what the hell is happening. Snow is glistening, a beautiful sight. We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. That's modern medicine for you. Nothing it can't cover up. For a limited time, start your 30-day free trial of Wondery Plus in the new Wondery app to listen ad-free and early to Blood Ties Season 2. Download the app today.